Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, and a good Monday morning to you and yours. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, along with the ex-professionals, <laughs> Casey McAllister and Paul Fritzner. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you today, Tom? How are we doing? Doing great. How was yeah. your weekend? Great weekend. You guys? Good. Good. This guy over here, he's just killing it with the picks. He's just killing us. We've done all right the last two weekends, Tom. We made some money. He's like 16 and 4. The last two weekends. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk. A little about spoiler. That. Yeah. 16 and 4. Man. Might have to start uh, slipping Paul some cash. You staying yeah. warm over there, Tom? No, I'm not. I, I, I just don't understand what the deal is on this building. <laughs> um, it is. Uh, it was about 28 degrees driving in today, and it's probably about three degrees warmer than that in this studio. <laughs> we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask you subscribe to the show. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, please do Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. So here we go. What a weekend. What a weekend. The Bengals, as you know, were off. Today they crank it up in preparation for Sunday's now 425 Eastern Time kickoff in Pittsburgh. Many will be watching and waiting, including us, right here on the program to find out if DJ Reader returns this week. Cincinnati opens as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Speaking of the men of aluminum, they get TJ Watt back from a torn peck. Boy, you got to give it up to that dude. I mean, whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, torn peck, I don't have one. Some of you might. That's that thing that goes down the side when you're all ripped up and cut up and pumping iron and, you know, the pull downs and all that. You get those things that just cut off to the side. <laughs> he's playing with that thing torn and he's back. And they get a win over Andy Dalton and the Saints 20 to 10. Dalton throws two more picks. The Steelers run it for 217 yards at five yards per carry. The Browns. Oh, boy. They are running from the hills in Cleveland. They have the bye week to get ready for Miami, and they get hammered. 39-17. to The Dolphins throw it for 300 yards, including three touchdowns by Tua. They run it for over 200 yards. And don't look now. Miami sits atop the AFC East. At seven and three, the Brownies are three and six. Now we're going to talk about this next game for quite a while today. But the game of the day, as we expected, was Minnesota at Buffalo. This was one of the wildest games I have ever seen. Perhaps you too. Now we said it on this show three weeks ago. Josh Allen starting to get very sloppy with the football. And that certainly reared its ugly head again yesterday. In fact, I would argue that he, along with Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, cost their team the game. Allen throws two interceptions in the red zone. Did you see that stat they put up yesterday? In his first 67 games, he threw two red zone interceptions. He has now thrown 
four in the last three weeks, including one that ended the game in overtime. He could have thrown, thrown the ball away. They kick a field goal, send it to a second overtime. Maybe. Or maybe end in a tie, but they wouldn't lose. Then the play where, if you weren't watching, Minnesota's got the ball on the one-yard line. And if they score a touchdown and they have to go for a touchdown because they had missed a point after, so they're down four, right? They were down 24 to 10. They get it within four. They got to go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. So the Bills take over the ball at their own one-yard line. And you're thinking, well, time to click the channel. Game over. Well, I hope you didn't. Because Allen gets up under center. All he's got to do is take the snap, fall forward, game over. The snap is fumbled. It's recovered by Minnesota. They score a touchdown. Then Buffalo goes down the field, kicks a field goal. But in overtime, Minnesota wins it 33-30. The Vikings taking advantage of a bad schedule. But they do go on the road. And my main man, Sir Boy Wonder, I mean, he sends out right away yesterday because I've been beating up on Kirk Cousins. He says, that's the guy. Cousins has the Vikings at 8-1. and one. Bills have lost two in a row. Is it panic time in Buffalo? They're now 6-3. and three. Tom Brady becomes the first player to win games in four different countries. The United States, Mexico, England, and now add Germany. The Bucs played their best game of the year. They beat Seattle 21-16. Brady throws for two touchdowns. The Buccaneers run it well for the first time all year long. They have the worst rushing attack in the NFL. 60 yards a game. They went up over 130 yesterday. And now Tampa Bay sits atop the NFC South at 5-5. Five and five. You want to play them in an opening round game? I don't think so. Now, do we make too much about not having coaching experience? At least not higher than, say, high school football. And what about a play caller in the highfalutin NFL? Do we put these guys up on some pedestal? Now, I know Jeff Saturday was a great player in the NFL. I also know he was working in television five days ago. His only coaching experience was on the high school level in Georgia, and that was years ago. So what's he do as his debut head coach of the Colts yesterday? The Colts beat the Raiders 25-20. to He puts Matt Ryan back in there at quarterback, said he gave us that quote-unquote best chance to win. Ryan back as a starter, throws a touchdown, runs for a touchdown, good for the Colts. Green Bay keeping its hopes alive with a thrilling 31-28 overtime win against Dallas at Lambeau Field. Mike McCarthy decided against trying a 53-yard field goal into the wind in overtime. That was a right call. The fourth down attempt failed. The Packers kick a field goal and go on to win the game. Then last night, very late, the 49ers beat the Chargers 22-16. The Niners defense pitches a shutout in the second half of that game. We'll cover all these games and more on the program here today. And we invite all of you to jump in if you have thoughts. Hundreds watching right now. 
thousands more jumping on. College football, another thrilling weekend. And hope stays alive for some while for others, as we predicted on the show. Dreams are dashed. Hope is alive for the UC Bearcats playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game. They beat ECU on Friday night. Now, in fairness, it was about as ugly as it gets. Terrible game. UC offense looked awful, but they won the game. So it's Temple this week, and then it's at Tulane. If they win these next two games, that sets up a rematch with UCF for the conference title and a trip to a New Year's Bowl game for the Bearcats. That'd be three years in a row. Number one, Georgia will stay in that spot after blistering Mississippi State. Number two, Ohio State blows out Indiana 56-14, but it came at a cost. They're already without Travion Henderson, great running back. Their other star tailback from Winton Woods, Mayan Williams left the game after 15 carries, 147 yards. It was a leg injury, no word yet how serious that is. Ohio State is now down to its third string tailback. That's a freshman, Dallin Hayden. And Michigan looms two weeks away. We'll get to the Cameron Babb story from that game a little bit later on. It was one of the most emotional moments I have ever seen in sports. Speaking of the Wolverines, they drubbed Nebraska 34-3. Now, Illinois all of a sudden looks just very beatable, right? But Michigan has to go play at Illinois. That is going to be a smash-mouth football game for the Wolverines in Champaign with Ohio State the following week. That now brings us to number four, TCU. Nobody gave them a chance. Despite being 9-0, the Horned Frogs were a seven-point underdog at Texas. Well, after a bruising, defensive-dominated first half, it was 3-0 TCU at the break. TCU's offensive line just dominated the once again overhyped Texas Longhorns 17 to 10 the final Texas did not score an offensive touchdown in the game and did not reach 200 yards of offense that's the University of Texas Steve Sarkeesian are you kidding and dreams are dash, as we predicted they would be for Oregon. Another overrated team. They came in number six. And the Ducks lose at home to number 25, Washington, 37-34. Won another Pac-10 fraud, Pac-12 fraud, whatever they're called. UCLA. I mean, you got to be kidding. They lose to Arizona 34-28. So the only chance of a Pac-12 team crashing the college football playoff party the USC Trojans. Now, their remaining schedule has UCLA this week, Notre Dame the following week at home, and potentially Utah for a second time. Utah handed USC its only loss of this year. College hoops over the weekend. You see uh, yesterday beat Eastern Kentucky. Cats go to 3-0. 87-69 the final. Five Bearcats score in double figures. And as Paul Fritchner knows, Friday night, Xavier hammered Montana. 
The Muskies have Fairfield tomorrow night, and then we'll host number 13, Indiana, at the Centos Center on Friday night. All right, boys, where do we start? Where do we start? Do we start with Minnesota and Buffalo? I think we have to. That was the game of the year. Game of yeah. the year. Game of the year. Should it be panic time in Buffalo? They've lost two in a row. They're six and three. They're no longer even in first place in their own division. I don't think it's panic time in Buffalo, but it's definitely a reason to be concerned because these weren't issues that you felt like Buffalo was going to have a lot of this year. And now all of a sudden in the last two weeks, you come out and you see the a Buffalo team that everybody was thinking was damn near invincible. Now all of a sudden they've lost a couple and they're looking very beatable. The way they lost that game yesterday, it, it didn't feel to me like the Vikings went out and just dominated them. They won by two touchdowns and what's going on in Buffalo. The what's Buffalo well, the what's going on in Buffalo question to me, Tom, was more so like how do you fumble the ball in your own end zone? How how do you not how, how do you not execute a play like that? And even even looking into the overtime period, the only reason they were even given a shot in that game was because Gabe Davis, that catch he made, wasn't reviewed. If that catch he made was reviewed, that wouldn't have been a catch. The ball hit the ground. I, so, I, I, so the, you're right. There are just so many like little things in that game, that, especially down the stretch, that you're thinking, okay, Buffalo's got to figure some things out here if they're going to really want to be that upper echelon best team in the NFL, Super Bowl contender that you think they are. And unless the Super Bowl is played at 1 p.m., we have a hard time believing that the Vikings are that way either. Yeah, to, to me, this says more about the Bills and their inconsistent play. And this has not really been a, a new issue. This is something that's kind of troubled them even going back to last year. As good as Josh Allen was, he would have slumps. I mean, bad games. And – I mean, you just can't fumble your own snap at the one-yard line. You just can't. Like, that's – got to make that secure snap. The center's got to do a better job. There's got to be better communication there. I mean, that game was over. The game should have been yep. a, a W for the Bills. And I get all the other stuff that happened leading up to that interception, like the unreviewed catch. But that's the NFL, right? You're going to get away with some stuff like that. See, but I'm going to interrupt there because, you know, the one thing, and I have a lot of issues with a lot of the rules in college football, but that play would have been reviewed in college football. Yeah. It would have been reviewed. And for the life of me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, once they get under two minutes, I think that the uh, replay officials can jump in. That's right. And they, and they can stop the game. I don't know who is getting paid to do that job in Buffalo, but they did not do their job on Sunday. Um, that play should have been reviewed. I still am having a really hard time in this day and age with analytics. The Sean McDermott decision to not kick the field goal when they could have gone up 13 points, Right. And he decides to go for it on fourth down. That's when Allen threw his first of two interceptions in the end zone. They go for it on fourth down. And Minnesota gets a ball back. They go down the field. Now, the whole thing kind of got lost in the shuffle because when Minnesota missed the point after, it changed the whole dynamic of what you were going to have to do then on offense. The other part of that thing, and I hate to tell you, not hate to tell you, 
I thought Jamar Chase was the best receiver in the NFL. Oh, man. He's not. The best receiver in the NFL is that cat from Minnesota. That, that dude is unbelievable. That catch was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I still can't. I still can't figure it out because the defender has both hands on it. And he still somehow manages to fall down, rip it out of that guy's grasp. <laughs> How do you do that? That was better That's, than the Odell Beckham catch. It was. That was better than Odell's catch against uh, or the, the famous catch. Yeah. That was, that was better. That, I mean, that, if you didn't see that at home, that, it, it was just, you know, I, I caught myself, I don't know about you guys, I, I caught myself, and, and I think a lot of times I'm certainly guilty of this, but I found myself half a dozen times yesterday watching different games where I just said it out loud. My dad came over, we were watching football with our son and, and all that kind of thing, and, and you just marvel at the athleticism of these guys. I mean, to be running full speed, whether it's one-handed catch, whether it's going up in traffic, getting both feet down in the end zone while you're trying to track a ball, you're jumping up in the air. I, I just don't know how these guys do it. If you didn't see the catch, you got it queued up here, right? Yeah, I'm, do. I'm getting All ready right. to Now, this is to keep – this is fourth and 18, okay? It's a fourth down and 18, and the Vikings can't kick a field goal. They're down four after missing the point after. So, 4th and 18, this is the game. And watch this catch right here by Jefferson. I mean, holy moly. But the replay, I mean, the, the other angle. Yeah, it's going to show, I'm pretty sure, here in a second. I mean, it, it just, will. I've seen this. Look at this. My Lord, just getting up there, snagging that thing away from him. I mean... How do you even stop that? Is that the best catch of all time? There are some people that were debating that. I mean, it was right there. I don't. I think if you told me you, that your opinion was that that was the best football catch of all time, I I would agree. How do, how do you beat that? Yeah, it's a shame that Von Miller is like right in the middle of some of that. Otherwise, that would be probably replayed for forever. That would be in the NFL Hall of Fame of replays. Like, that was probably the peak receiver play that you'll ever see. One-handed, contested catch. The only thing that's missing is, like, a toe-tap toe drag. Yeah, you you're know, right. Like that. You're right. Other yeah. than that, that was a masterful piece of work. But, you know, you sit here and you, we ask, is it time to panic yet in Buffalo? And, and I just sit here and I say to myself, you know, they're at home. I know it went to overtime. Um I think they got some issues. And, and I think early in the year when everybody was ready to hand them a trip to the Super Bowl uh, out of the AFC, uh, that is very much uh, called into question now. Don't get me wrong, talented team, great quarterback, good coach. He's a good coach. Uh, but their defense all of a sudden just looks okay. I thought that Minnesota should have run the ball more. It seemed like every time Dalvin Cook was touching the ball, you know, they had a third and one and a fourth and one in the game where they could have scored a touchdown. They went for it on a third and one. They throw it. Some fade in the corner of the end zone had no chance to work. And then on fourth down, they throw it again instead of running it. But um, Minnesota's got a pretty good team. I mean, they got everything you like in a team 
Their quarterback, I, I don't think he wins a big one when all is said and done. But when he gets hot, he can really, really get hot. We talked about Jefferson. Dalvin Cook is a fantastic running back. And their defense, not great, but not bad. Uh, I'm still not sold on them. Do we got my top five here this week? I want to know where you guys think about this. Power five. We do. All right. And uh, you guys, I don't know how you can put anybody else but the Eagles first. They play tonight against the Washington football Wizards, um, but they're undefeated. Okay, I, you know, they're, they're undefeated. They're the most complete team. So far. Chiefs, Chiefs can be beat. Yep. But they're two. I'm going to put Minnesota three. I had a real hard time putting Buffalo four because I got to tell you, I'm just not feeling it. And then there's Miami. Now, you go back and you look at the Bengals game against Miami on that Thursday night here, okay? If Tua doesn't get knocked out of that game, the more and more I watch Miami, the Bengals will be sitting four and five at the break instead of five and four. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You think if the Bengals played the Miami Dolphins right now with Tua as a starting quarterback, you think the Bengals beat that team? Right now, no. But back then, we had Reader. We had – or did, no, we didn't even have Reader, I don't think, that game. I think he got – no, he got hurt in the Jets game, I think. Okay. Well, So the it, week before, I think. The was. week before. So either I way – I could be wrong. I don't know. Either way, if we had our full lineup, I think we beat them. Tua threw a really bad interception that game before he went out. I don't know if yes, you Yes, he did. That. And yes, we were did. getting pressure. I mean, yeah. that's – that's the key to beating them. Now, they did. But everybody did wonder, not to interrupt you for a second here, but everybody wondered if Tua should have been playing in that game in the first place. Right. Because of true. everything that had happened the week before. Yeah. Right. And I will say this. They did acquire Bradley Chubb, which made a hell of a lot difference in that game. I mean, their defense was just destroying the Browns. Just brutal. Um now, I didn't get to watch the full game, so I won't comment too much about how much he affected it, but it's definitely you can definitely see that they were able to get to the quarterback often, create a bunch of disruption for the Browns. And I won't lie, the Browns stink. So let's not give too much credit to Miami here. They don't have much of a secondary. I don't think Denzel Ward played, so that they're already down bad there. Um, they came out with a good game plan running the ball against the Browns. Imagine that. The Imagine worst run that. defense. Imagine that. And they ran for 200 yards when they had one of the worst rushing attacks in the league. Zach. Um, looking at the camera, Casey. I'm looking at you, Zach Taylor. Well, he's talking about, you know, in that Bengals game, and we've said it a thousand times, the Bengals-Browns, first 21 plays of the game. Bengals drop back to throw 17 of the 21. Uh, but that's, look, that's a different time. All I'm saying is about Miami, and look, I think when the weather gets bad, uh, if they're forced to go on the road and play in bad weather, I don't know about Miami. They always seem like they come in with these popsicle uniforms and it's somewhere freezing cold, <laughs> and they just get their brains beat in. Right? Yeah. yeah. But maybe they're different this year with, with Tua. I don't know. But... Um, they're seven and three, fellas. 
Andrew reminds us when Tua left that game, it was a 7-6 to six game against the Bengals. And if you remember the Bengals offense in that game, outside of a T. Higgins play just before halftime, when they hit that 55 or 60-yard bomb down the left sideline, going into the southern end zone. And then, late in the game, they hit the big ball down the middle to chase. Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, the bottom line is, is you, know, you look at that division all of a sudden, that being the AFC East. 7-3, and three, Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets, both at 6-3. and three. The only reason I bring that up is because it's going to continue to make this harder and harder for an AFC North team to get a wild card spot. Agreed. The more these teams win that are in second place. Now, I know the Bengals are only a game behind those teams at five and four. I understand it. But uh, the Bengals' schedule the rest of the way is ranked as the second hardest schedule in the NFL. It's brutal. And not only that, it's so what matters the most when you look at the schedule is the AFC opponents that we play because we got to win some AFC games. If we end up tying with like the Patriots, we have to have more AFC wins than NFC wins. That's just how the wild card works. Yep. Um, they do it based off of conference. And <laughs> it's brutal. The, the AFC opponents are brutal. We got to replay all of our divisional opponents again. We already lost to all of them once. Yep. Um, we go to Pittsburgh this week. That's never going to be an easy game in Pittsburgh. So let's just get that out of our heads right now. We got to come into this seriously. And we got to have a good game plan going in there. No messing around. Then we go to Tennessee. And we already know how that went in the the divisional round of the, uh, the playoffs last year. Got to do a better job protecting Joe Burrow back there. We might have DJ Reader back this week. If not, maybe the following week in Tennessee. Then we go back home in Cincinnati to play the Chiefs. We're down our best corner, Awuzie. That's going to be a tough game. The Browns, again, run the damn ball, Zach. Then we go to Tampa. And Tom Brady... They, they look pretty good against Seattle. I don't know if it was just because the two teams played in Munich and they had a better game plan, um, but Tampa may or may not be back. So, And then the Patriots, Bill Belichick can't count him out. Play the Bills. We already know that the Bills are got some cracks, but so do we. Let's see who exploits their cracks better. <laughs> if the season ended right now, in the American Football Conference, if the season ended right now, yeah. Kansas City, who's on the Bengals' schedule, is a one seed. Miami, the two seed. Tennessee, and we'll get to them in a minute, because somebody around here said Tennessee's pretty good. Can't remember who that was. They are on the Bengals' schedule. The four seed, the Baltimore Ravens, they are on the Bengals' schedule. The six seed, the Buffalo Bills, are on the Bengals' schedule. The seventh seed, the New England Patriots, are on the Bengals' schedule. And if you can believe this, if you can believe, and this gets back to your point, Casey, about conference games. The Los Angeles Chargers would be the final team in the AFC to make the playoffs because 
They win a tie break over the Bengals based on the best winning percentage in conference games. This time a year ago, and everybody keeps going back to last year, this time a year ago, the Bengals were 5-4. and four. We know their schedule down the stretch, not as daunting as the schedule this year. But one significant difference in last year and this year at 5-4. and four. This time a year ago, the Bengals were 2-1 and one inside their division. This year, as you just said, they're 0-3. I think they have to sweep their division. Yeah. To have a legitimate chance at the playoffs, whether it be as a division champion or a wild card. Because if they keep going like they're going right now and, you know, you flounder around, maybe you beat the Browns, maybe you beat the Steelers, but then you turn around and lose to Baltimore. You're two and four in the division. If it comes down to now your conference record is tie break or division record uh, as tie break, they're behind the eight ball. Yeah, I think here here's the scenario that has to happen for for us to have a secured wild card spot and or just straight up the division win. We got to either sweep our division, which puts us at 5 and 3 in the conference and then sneak out a win from Tennessee or Kansas City or Buffalo or New England or or New England. We'll, we'll say we got to sneak out a win from Kansas City, Buffalo or uh Kansas City or Buffalo or Tennessee. Well, you got to beat New England. You got to right now. They're ahead of you technically in the. I mean, they have to look. They got to beat everybody or close to everybody. But they cannot lose. They cannot lose to New England because if it comes down right now, New England's ahead of the Bengals for a playoff spot right now. The Patriots. Are you kidding me? Think about that for a minute. Maybe we should lower our grades on the Cincinnati Bengals for the first half than what we had them last week. (laughs) Can you name me three players on the New England Patriots offense? Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, and... Yeah, but only one of those guys can play at one time. (laughs) All right, I'll give you a good one. Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. He's a good running back. Okay, all right, but you know what I'm saying. The point I'm making, okay, even, even some of the most hardcore football fans out there can't name anybody besides Mac Jones on that Patriots offense. You could rip off five names as a better than average football fan that the Bengals have on offense, right? Right. And the Bengals defense, no doubt, is better than the Patriots defense. Yet right now we sit here and the Bengals are behind the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers who have missed. They put up that graphic last night. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Of their three receivers, and Williams and Allen and the other guy who's out for the year with an ACL, they haven't had anybody. And if the season, it would be like Jamar Chase missing seven games. It would be like T. Higgins missing five games. And it'd be like Tyler Boyd being out for the season. That's exactly what the Chargers have in their wide receiving core. They put up a graphic last night. They had some cat they brought in who's a journeyman who's played like 60-something games. And then they have like four guys that haven't played in 15 games combined. And you mean to tell me that that team is ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals? That's the greatest indictment of Zach Taylor that I think you can make. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Well, hang on. Hold the thought. 
We're going to take a break, uh, and we're going to get to some of these other games because there's a lot to talk about, including some college football games. We're back in a minute. All right, so we're sitting here, and, and we're, try- we're looking at the Bengals' schedule. We're, we're no different than you. We're doing it right here on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, and here's the deal, okay? It, it's as, as simple as it gets, okay? If you want to pretty much guarantee yourself a chance to get into the postseason, whether it be as a divisional champion or risky, albeit a wild card. But you got to get to 10. Nine ain't going to do it. You got to get to 10 because you got teams already in the wild card hunt sitting at, at six. Okay. So you got to sweep the division. That gives you eight wins. So that's victories over Baltimore and Cleveland here at home. And then, of course, this Sunday against the Steelers. That puts you at eight. To get to 10, you would then need to win two of the following four games. Kansas City, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Tennessee. Now, you guys like your chances of sweeping the division? I like the chances. Yeah. Yeah, I like the I like the ch- I like the odds of the Browns and the Ravens playing us at home. Okay. Um and I think we can beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I like that. I think I'm comfortable with saying that they can do that. What gets me is the next two wins because they can afford to lose the Bucks, but after that the Bills, Patriots and Tennessee those are all conference games that you are so valuable when you're looking at a wild card spot. Um, oh, and the Patriots. Did we mention the Patriots? We mentioned. Okay. The yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so the Patriots to me and the Titans are the two that I look at. That and I go, okay, if we win those two, we got us, we got a chance because you beat those guys. And if you beat the Patriots, at least you're knocking them down further down the wild card list. So you got to at least beat the Patriots. I think you can afford to lose to the Chiefs because they're pretty much guaranteed number one at this point. Um, unless we beat them, they've got to beat the Chargers again. Um, but yeah, the Bills to me, like you could probably beat them especially at home with the way that Josh Allen's been playing. Um, That's like 10 weeks from now, though. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Is like It's hard to really judge these games as they're coming. But the two that I see that they have to absolutely win is the Patriots game out of the the four games that we mentioned, the Patriots game and one other AFC opponent, whether that's the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Titans. If they do that and they sweep the division, they'll be okay. They'll make it in the wild card somehow. But that's the only other way I can see it. Let's you do- know, and we're not playing the woulda, coulda, shoulda game because we said it at the time. But, but I, I, you know, you're not even doing this drill. You're not even doing this drill. If you're ready to play against the Steelers week one and you're ready to play against the Cowboys and Cooper Rush week two. Right. And we're not even having this conversation. But that's where we sit, so we'll have it. And it'll seem like we're having it each and every day. I want to circle back real quick to the Titans. Yeah. Now, I know they did not beat some juggernaut opponent yesterday. 
But I'm telling you, this is a team people better watch. They better watch. You got the you got the Bills sort of floundering around. You got the Chiefs who, yes, they're the number one seed right now in the AFC, but they have some cracks. Tennessee has cracks. I agree with that 100%. But I'm telling you, that's a smash-mouth team, and they are more than capable of going on the road in a bad-weather place and winning a football game because of the way they can run the ball. Now, Henry did not run it as well this week. But I'm telling you, and I've said it for three weeks, there will be bigger ones after the Tennessee game. But in my opinion, if the Bengals win this week, that game the following week is the biggest game of the year for the Bengals. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, Tom, we, we have something here. that we're going we to pull it up here for a second. All right, let's if see. If we have it. Do we have it here, Casey? Uh, we will in just a second. I, I got a DM over the weekend, Tom, from the Real Spirit Cat One, who is in the chat right now. Uh, and let's just say that the Real Spirit Cat One, you know, he's got those magic Photoshop fingers, and he went into uh, he went into Photoshop and he made something for us. He, really, he made a little present for the show. Can, can you send okay. me the actual tweet? Can I send you the? Yeah, I can yeah, send. Send you. me the actual tweet. Oh, it was Zachary a, reminds me, Tom. We know the Titans. They were the number one seed last year, so thank you for that. Sir Boy Wonder says the Titans will not make it past the first round in the playoffs. Well, we're going to find out about that. Andrew makes a great point. Biggest thing that concerns him in that Tennessee Bengals game, revenge. They know they were the better team in that playoff game. I'm not so sure about that. I think the Bengals were better than the Titans last year. Um, the Bengals, but if the Bengals want to win, like he's saying in the chat there, the Bengals want to win this game against Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. They want to have a good, legitimate shot at the postseason. you got to be able to go down there and win that game. Yep. you got to be able to go down there and win that game, yes, right, you do. Tom? Yes, you do. But the Bengals have not proven to me yet, and they're capable of it. They show me some signs in the Carolina game that they don't mind getting punched in the mouth and then turn around and punching you in the mouth. But when they've played better opponents this year, they have been punched in the mouth and not taken the punch well. Because, look, the three games their offense looked the best all year long. And really, the only three games that the offense even looked better than average all year long were against three NFC South teams. They looked phenomenal against Carolina. They looked really good against Atlanta. And they scored over 30 against New Orleans. Those three teams are awful. A combined 9-18 and record. I got to ask you guys. I mean, I know you're over there scrambling for this uh, Photoshop thing. Yeah, we thought we had it pulled up. Okay, We're, well, it's going to take a second. But let me ask you this: Are you guys saying that this week? And Casey, I know you have Pittsburgh in your stink list. Are you telling me this is a layup this coming Sunday? I'm not gonna. Uh, it's not gonna be a layup. It's never a layup when you go into Pittsburgh. When you go and play in. Heinz Field. Um, Whoa. It's never. Whoa. I'm not going to call it by whatever. Give a creature some right. credit. No. Accrature. No. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> At least it's not FTX Stadium. Oh, yikes. How about yes. that one? Oh, How's your crypto stock looking, Tom? Billions. Billions gone. You were wow. big? 
I was big on the, uh, remember Dogecoin? Do you ever get into Dogecoin? No, Do you ever I, hear about Dogecoin? None of it. None of it. I had none like a hundred Ponzi scheme, all of it. I had like 120,000 Dogecoin at one point. And if I had held on to it, it would have been, it was worth something like almost $50,000. I sold it for like 300. Brutal. That was, a, that was a direct shot to the chest when I woke up one morning and realized what could have been financially. Yeah, what could have been. Many right. of us have had those. What could have been. All right, here. We got it pulled up. Look at this. The Real oh Spirit Count gosh, 1. Look at this. Look at this shirt. That's big time Amigos. shirt. Amigos. Now, I see Stink. I got Ohio University. And then that's your That's just the Chatterbox logo. logo. That's just the Chatterbox, Chatterbox. logo. Very, yeah. very. And who sent this? Uh, the Real Spirit Count 1 from our chat room. Love it. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. I got to print those. We should right here at Headlines. Yeah. We have to get them to do that. All right, what's this say? Um, Zachary says, no, it's not a layup. It's an alley-oop. An alley-oop. It's pretty good. Well, if we're going to talk about the stink list or mention it, should we bring it up and let the viewers see well let's get let's get to the stink list after we go through a couple of other topics here okay i want to go through the jeff saturday thing oh yes now let's backtrack four weeks okay the colts owner jim ursay fires the offensive coordinator gone because they're not scoring they're turning the ball over a lot matt ryan's a big part of that the following week, Matt Ryan is benched for the season. Okay? Sam Erlinger comes in, plays, they lose. The next week, they fire the head coach in Frank Reich. Ursay then hires, yes, working as a consultant for the team, and for the life of me, I don't know how that works. I mean, I, I just did the the the, the the blurriness between Saturday's working for ESPN and he's a consultant for the Colts. Okay, good for him. God bless you if you can get it. Good work. Saturday has never coached higher than high school football in Georgia. Great player, multi-pro bowler, was a center for Peyton Manning all those great years in Indianapolis. But he's hired as the coach. We told you last week, basically the number three guy in the pecking order on the offense is the only guy left after the purge. He's never called plays at any level in his life, not one time, okay? He's named as a play caller. He's an ordained minister. In fact, he was the minister for Frank Reich's wedding. <laughs> he takes over the play call, and they win the game. 25 to 20 over the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, it's amazing. It is. It's amazing. And I asked the question in the monologue. Are we at a point now where all we do is put these guys on pedestals and say, oh, he's a coach in the NFL. He's got to be smarter than everybody else. Well, I don't know. What do we have here? We, we, have, uh, we have two things, actually. We have Jeff Saturday, which we're about to put up. But the other thing, and we can talk about this later, I just want to throw it in here before we play this sound. DJ Reader did just get cleared for practice a minute There we ago. go. Okay, so that's great something news. To, something great to look news. at. All right, here's okay. Jeff Saturday. This was out of the post-game locker room yesterday. Um, this was a two-minute clip of Jeff Saturday and his post-game speech to the team. The Colts tweeted this out. 
So week, man. Been a been a tough one on all of you. Can't tell you how proud I am of each and every one of you. Coaches, players, staff, everybody stepped up. All three phases, man. Things we talked about. Offense, ran it for over 200. Threw it for over 200. Defense, shut 28 down, 77 yards rushing. Had to make a play on 17 at the end. What we do? Make a play at the end. Make a play at the end. Hey, make a play at the end, man. Who goes hardest the longest, man? That's how this game is decided. The most physical football team won today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Hey, Parks, congrats, man. Not a single play work because of me. It's because of you guys, man. Yes, sir. We talked about it. Great way to, re job, to respond to adversity all week. Freaking great job, dude. Let's go to work next week. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing. One more thing. Let me tell you how we're going to define ourselves, man. Fourth in the, in the game on the line, Gus dropped them. Bring it all. Yes, all of you stepped up. Hey, man. Yes, no fear. No fear. Yeah. Yeah. Let him rip. Second here, coach. Come on up here, Matt. Chris, come on up here. Come on. Come on, Chris. All of us want to give you this game ball, including the best scrambling quarterback in the league. <laughs> and uh, it's been a tough week, but uh, we believe and we know in who you are, Jeff. And congratulations. I know you will treasure this, my brother. Appreciate you. <laughs> We all getting balls. Everybody's getting a game ball, man, because we all put it in. Everybody gets a game ball. And my favorite thing about football, Victory Monday. We'll see y'all. That's good stuff right there. You realize they're one spot behind the Bengals? Yeah. One spot behind the Bengals for the playoffs. The Indianapolis Colts. I'm... I... I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't have them on my stink list. But um, teams that get fired up and they just manage to rally back from a lot of adversity early on in the season, they tend to just sneak out wins over and over again. And the Colts last year were feisty towards the end of the year, had aspirations for the number one seed. Is that right? Am I, am I remembering that right? Yep. Well, and they got down to the last two games last year, and they had to win one of the two. And th th this really started the whole ball rolling with Frank Reich. There's no doubt about it. Because a guy has started seven different quarterbacks during his seven years as a coach in Indianapolis. But last year, they were sitting at nine and six with two to go. All they had to do was win one more game. Well, they lost in week but 16, I guess, technically. And then the last game of the year, they get bludgeoned by Jacksonville out of the playoffs. So, you know, but you look at their schedule, and I got to tell you, I mean, it's every bit as tough as the Bengals. They got to play Philadelphia next week. Oof. Then they play the Steelers. Then they go to Dallas, and they go to Minnesota. Wow. Right? They got the Chargers. They go to the Giants. And then they got the Texans. So... Uh, unless a miracle takes place, they're not going to be it. But it is an amazing story. 
And, and the guy that they brought up there uh, was the play caller I made reference to there a minute ago. They scored 25 points in the game. They put Matt Ryan back in there. And, you know, look, there, there are good stories out there like that week in and week out in the NFL. Yeah. And what's great about that win in particular was how they won the game. You heard him say it, 200 yards throwing, 200 yards rushing, right? I mean, they're getting back to what they were good at last year. Um, I'm not sure if Jonathan Taylor was the one running the football or not. Um, but if he was, good for him coming back strong. Offensive line obviously played strong. Um, that's how they're going to win football games is being physical, being able to beat the guys up front. And that's kind of what they needed to do in order to compete in their own division. I mean, you look at the Tennessee Titans and they do the same thing. Smack you in the mouth. They play smash mouth football. So good for the Colts. I hope Jeff Saturday can continue to do a good job. Uh, I'm still upset with Ursay with the fact that he signed Jeff because there's plenty of other coaches on that staff that deserve the chance to coach for that football team, even as an interim, just so then they could, you know, potentially have a chance later on in their career to, to jump up or to, to go to offense coordinator or whatever. But anyways, good for the Colts. Um, good for the Colts. Good for Jeff Saturday. Um, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is another guy, and Sir Boy Wonder, I bring it up again, you know, in a fun way, he's jabbing me about what I've said about Kirk Cousins, and I stand by my comment about Kirk Cousins. I do not think when all is said and done that Kirk Cousins is going is to put together a three-game stretch against quality competition and take a team to a Super Bowl. I've also said the same thing about Dak Prescott. I do not think Dak Prescott is going to take the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. How do you go to Green Bay and lose that game? If you're, if you're a team that wants to be a legitimate contender that people talk about to be a Super Bowl team, all of those kinds of things. The Green Bay Packers have been awful this year. I know they still have Aaron Rodgers, and it's hard to say, especially when they're at Lambeau, that, uh, that, that they're going to lose a game. But, Paul, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and their defense wasn't any good. It, no, and, and, and I mean, I picked the Packers. I, I had faith in the Packers figuring this out at home. That the, the combo bet of the Packers winning at home and not trusting the Cowboys was why I went with the Packers. And, man, I, I just don't know what it is. It, Mike McCarthy, I saw a tweet yesterday. It was pretty funny. Uh, for the first time in forever, Mike McCarthy finally helped the Packers win a football game. No, now see, that's a cheap <laughs> shot. I mean, you know, that's a total cheap shot. Um, that guy won a lot of big games in Green Bay, including a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. come on. The guy won a Super Bowl. He went to the playoffs every year. They went in 10 or more games. Now, you know, doesn't work out in the playoffs sometimes. Okay. But, but, but more importantly is the whole Dallas thing. Yeah. Okay. 
They went 4-1 and one with Cooper Rush as their quarterback. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand me here. I am not saying Cooper Rush is Dak Prescott. He's not. Prescott is, is a much better quarterback, no doubt about it, in every way there is. But the bottom line is, I don't care about stats. The Cowboys have three losses this season. Two of those three losses have been with Dak Prescott as the starting quarterback against two of the better teams, at least opposing quarterbacks, that they had to play against this year. Rodgers having a down year, but it's still Aaron Rodgers, and they lost week one to Tampa Bay before Prescott got hurt. So now, you buying the Cowboys? Oh, no. You well, buying the Giants? I think people finally figured out how to beat the Cowboys, which is stop the pass rush by running it, running it well. I mean, they had 207 yards rushing. Yeah. And they didn't throw it often. When they did, they ran play action and that just let Christian Watson just get the ball deep. And, you know, the dude had, what, like two really big catches that game for touchdowns. And yep. then the one across the, uh, the the crosser on the red zone or the slant that he ran there. I mean, uh, Dallas needs to take a page out of Green Bay's own book and run the ball a little bit more. I know they ran it 31 times, but you can't throw it for 46 times. Not against this defense. Well, so. they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott yesterday. I know Pollard has played very, very well. Uh, but I still think Elliott gives him something that Pollard doesn't. So who are we buying out of the NFC? Vikings and the Eagles, that's it? I'm only buying the Vikings if they move the Super Bowl to Hawaii. <laughs> Play that at 1 p.m. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm out. I don't think that's happened. Um, the, the, the team we talked about a few weeks ago, and, and look, at the end of the day, like the Bengals, like some others, they're still only five and four. But look, if you're trying to fill a stat column, and again, if that's what you're into, stats, this guy's not going to show up on a stat sheet. But when you ask yourself, among this trio, who has proven in a certain amount of time that they, that they can win the big one? Now, not yet the Super Bowl, but get you to a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm glad you said Jimmy G because I was gonna, he was going to be on my list too. Yeah, Jimmy G, he can get you there. San Francisco's a good team. San Francisco is Baltimore of the NFC. They're always there. They might not be at the top, but yeah. they're just always there. Yeah, they're, I have them as a borderline good team, just a little sneak preview of my stink list. They're still there, but, I mean, I think they proved why I have them there to begin with last night. That Chargers-San Francisco game, I mean, they get after you. They, they got a really elite pass rush, and they have a run game. Those are two recipes that are successful late down the stretch. When the winter comes around and it gets cold, you got to play some smash-mouth smash football. I mean, their, their team... Yes, Jimmy G is not the greatest. No, he's not. But he also, like, if you don't 
He's not going to lose you the game if you don't make him lose you the game, if that makes any sense. It if makes you make him, sense. If you make him throw 30 times, he's going to lose you the game. If you only let him throw 20 times, like Aaron Rodgers this last game and with Matt Ryan, he's going to be just fine. He's going to get you what you need. Yeah, yesterday he doesn't throw good. a touchdown. He doesn't throw an interception in the game last night, but he's efficient. He gets them and making plays when they have to convert on a third down, whatever it might be. They run it, play great defense. They're five and four. Uh, that was a big win uh, for them last night. I feel bad for the Chargers. We touched on them earlier. And I mean, you know, I just feel really bad. I, I hate when you see a bunch of guys get hurt. It takes away from a star power of the league. And, and they've got guys dropping all over the place, including Herbert, who's tough through a rib injury the whole year long. All right. Um, before we shift gears to the college game, we got our picks coming up at 1130. Let's start with the tier maker. Oh, yeah. When are, you, when are we going to get you on the tier maker, Tom? It's well, so I got to tell you, mine would no, look not nothing like Casey. So, Casey, let's put it up. Yep. Put uh, it here up. we go. I we we didn't add this. another category, which have I you, thought we were going to do. Have you gotten a preview of this? I have not looked at it yet. I just saw it in the, in the standby monitor very briefly. And when I see that the L.A. Chargers are on the stink list, even though they are in front of Casey's beloved Cincinnati Bengals for the playoffs. Um, it immediately comes into question. Uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay stinks. A uh, Casey, Casey. How yes. about borderline stink for Tampa Bay? Respectfully, Casey, this is the worst one you've done. Worst you, one well, I've let done. Me, let, let, let's I start for a, a second. Whole lot Hold on. Let me ask you a question, yeah. Casey. How is Green Bay a borderline stink team that is four and six? And the Buccaneers, who are in first place in their division, I know it's a bad division, but they're in first place in their division. Um, and the Bucs have played everybody who's any good because of the schedule they play this year. Uh, how are they in stink and Green Bay is borderline stink? Could you start there? Yeah, so I just want to say that, one, Tampa Bay probably could be borderline stink. In front of Tampa, in front of Green Bay, that was maybe a, a, a slight. Uh, you got to stand by this, Casey. A slight oversight, but but I will say this: I think the pack is back. They're going to start running the ball. They're going to give Aaron Rodgers limited opportunities to throw the football, but they're going to be good ones because he's highly efficient. They're going to run some play action. I think they're back. Tampa Bay, very similar story. They found a run game against Seattle. But in the past, they've not been able to run the ball on these teams. So let's see if that continues. Um, I think the Packers, on the other hand, shown that they can do what they did last night against a good defense. I mean, we were sitting here saying that Dallas might be the best defense in the league. Were we not? So uh, to me, them being up a tier and Tampa still staying down a little bit um, makes sense. I understand where you guys are coming from, but at the same time, we were all questioning why Seattle was what they were. Why why were they as good as they were? And to me, they kind of got exposed a little bit by really good defensive play and running the football. So to me, said more, that game said more about Seattle than it did Tampa Bay. 
think Tampa Bay just finally realized that this team cannot stop the run, so they just ran it all over. And plus, it's hard to really judge a game that's played out of country and how that affects a team. This is Seattle. All right, but it's this both is, teams. It's both teams. I mean, right. they both had to go over there and play and get on a plane. I mean, you know. Right, but one is in the West Coast and the other one's on the East Coast. So to I, me, I it's like you, you, there's more of a discrepancy there. Um, and plus, the fan base in Munich – I'm pretty sure was mainly Tom Brady fans. Um, you could hear just how loud that stadium was. Why uh, did they break into that song, West Virginia? I don't know. I oh, think it was just a country roads. Take yeah, yeah that they, was awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, so they play it during Oktoberfest over there. Okay. Apparently, I don't know. Well, Tom Brady said it was one of the coolest experiences he's ever had in his career. Well, and Geno yeah. Smith is a West Virginia guy. That's right. So That's that must right. have been cool for him, West too. West Virginia guy. Uh, put that list back up one more time. Yep. Because, I, I, I mean, I just don't know how in the world, Case, how in the world can you have Tennessee, the Giants, and the Jets? I'm not saying any of those teams are going to win the Super Bowl. Well, the- But all of those teams are 6-3 and three or better. You mean to tell me they don't warrant being on a borderline good team? No. I mean, the Jets didn't play this week, so I couldn't move them. I I didn't want to move them because they didn't play this week. Um, The Giants, uh, they beat up on a bad team. I'm not going to move them. Tennessee, kind of the same situation. They beat up on a bad team, and they didn't really beat them up either. It was 10-17. to Yeah, it was. I don't know. I just – I think – they have glaring weaknesses, glaring issues that will affect them in the postseason. Whereas the teams above, to me, they have issues, but they can overcome their issues. I don't know if the teams below on the borderline stink can overcome their said issues. That's why they're on the borderline stink. So you think if the Dallas Cowboys play the Baltimore Ravens or the San Francisco 49ers right now, you think that the Cowboys are better than those two teams? Um, I mean, that's what your rankings say. In fact, your rankings say the Cowboys are better than the Bills. Yeah. Um, that says more about Josh Allen's inconsistency. I don't know what to make of them because he just does some boneheaded things, and I think that could cost him a game. And Dallas's pass rush is elite. Um and they can't run the ball. So Dallas versus Bills, I think Dallas wins that match because the Bills can't run the ball. Now, the San Francisco 49ers and, and the Ravens, right? I, I think those two are the closest to being a good team as any other team that you see on this list. Um, more Ravens than San Francisco. The Ravens, to me, with Lamar is such a big X factor. They can run it, and if Lamar's hot, he can just throw all over the place. But I'm not sold on his passing. I, I'm not either. I'm just saying when they get hot, they're really good. Um, but to me, the list is actually pretty accurate to how things have gone. I mean, I'm surprised no one's mentioned anything about the Vikings moving up. I had them at borderline good, and now they're the third best team in the league. Well, I mean, they've no earned one... it. They've earned it. Uh, they've earned. They, they, they look. You know, they, they. You, 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 you can't 
when you have a bad year the year before, and we talk about it all the time, the NFL is set up in such a way where, now granted, you're going to play a division from the other conference, and that's a, a rotating deal. And in any given year, one year that division might be great, another year might be terrible. Um, and the Vikings are playing, they just lay out the schedule, and that's who they play. And they've only lost one game. And they went to Buffalo and they won a game they deserve to be on that list. Paul, if you had one thing to wrap this up that you take umbrage with with this list, what would it be? The whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> I don't see how you can have that opinion when you said last week that was my best list yet. I only moved a few teams around. What, what, what's the issue here? Casey, what, what Casey, you Casey. Like? Maybe, I, maybe I was just being too nice about last week. But look, you can't have the Bengals. You can't have the Bengals, the Patriots – the Titans, the Giants, and the Jets. If you want to call them all the same, that's fine, but they can't be borderline stink when there's a legitimate chance that the Jets could win the AFC, uh, could win their division. I was just blanking there. I was about to say the wrong division. They could win their division that also includes the Bills and the Dolphins. The Bills could be the best team in the NFL. The Jets still stink. Oh and they're going to prove it later on down, okay. the, down the stretch. It's simple as that. That's, Let's see who the – I was so fired up there. I just forgot what sake, Okay, in. let's just take a look <laughs> real quick out of curiosity's sake about the Jets' remaining schedule. Now, they have a huge game this week. They go to New England. They haven't beaten that team in like eight years. Okay? They got New England. Then they go back home to play the Bears. And then how about this lineup? The following two weeks at Minnesota at Buffalo. Who is this? The Jets? The Jets. But then they finish the season against the Lions, the Jaguars, the Seahawks, and on the road at the Dolphins. So that's not, that, that's not an easy schedule. No, it's This not. is one of those years where they've got the bad luck of uh, of having to play, you know, um, a, a team during the season uh, in Minnesota. And Minnesota's having a great year. All right, I'm going to put my Power 5 up. One of these days I'll get around to doing more of these tiers. Uh, we got my Power 5 in the NFL. And I have to tell you, I'm wrestling with this one badly. I got the Eagles 1, Chiefs 2, Vikings now go to 3. We saw this before. I beg yeah. your pardon. Bills for Miami, now five. And I think Miami can beat Buffalo. I do. I, I, think, they can, I think they can beat Buffalo. They but, already have. Uh, yeah, and then they'll get them again down the road. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about college football um, and where all that's going. The next college football rankings come back out tomorrow night. Uh, we'll talk about some of the teams who are right in the thick of things, some of the what-ifs. Of what's to come, only two weeks left in the regular season of college football. It's Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. One final NFL note before we get to college. Justin Fields is fun to watch. Yes, he is. I'm I mean, that dude, he is fun to watch. Their defense stinks. Um... But, I mean, just when Fields makes a stupid play, throws the pick six, the next time they get the ball, he goes 75-yard run for a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, this dude is really fun to watch.
Okay, college football. We got the Power Five here. This is what I think will be. It already is in the college football rankings that came out last week. They come out again tomorrow night. Okay, this is my Power Five. You got Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU still undefeated 4, Tennessee 5. Now, keep that up here for a second, okay? okay? Because here's the deal. Of all five of those teams, I have to tell you, well, no, I'm going to take out number one. Because Georgia, even if Georgia loses the SEC championship game, they're going to be in the playoff, okay? They're going to be in. They're the only one loss guaranteed lead pipe cinch slam dunk that will be in with one loss. They will be in. But of the next four, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, and Tennessee, which of those four teams would you most want to be? I think it is not even close. It's Tennessee. And here's why. They got two cupcakes to finish the year. They don't have to play in a conference championship. They're sitting right there at number five. So they don't have to play Georgia or LSU or whoever else. They don't have to play any of the heavyweights. Okay? Ohio State has to play Michigan. TCU, we know, has to win out, so all the pressure in the world on them. They have to win out to get in. The team outside of Georgia on that list that I think is sitting back and just saying, boys, have at it, is Tennessee. Especially now with Oregon gone, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of that? I'm with you, Tom. I think out of that list, besides Georgia, because Ohio State Michigan are going to have to play each other. TCU has a couple of tests left. Tennessee, they can almost coast into this. Yeah, they really can. Because they're going to get in. It, they're right there on the edge. They got that win over Alabama. There's only one other team that's USC, I think, that can squeeze into this. And it, it makes sense. Well, and we made the comment that USC, uh, USC has UCLA this week, who's a fraud. They should win that game. They play Notre Dame at home. That's a big-time game. And then they would play in the Pac-12 championship game. And there's some shaking out left in that whole thing. But that could be against, you know, it could be against Utah. It could be against Oregon, basically, is what that comes down to. But what was I just going to look at? Oh, yeah, I want to see Tennessee. Their remaining two games are against. At South Carolina. That's not a layup. But then they play Vanderbilt, who, by the way, Ooh. oh, my God. Not good. Kentucky was having such a good year. Yeah, they were. That is a humiliating, and especially the way it happened. They get the personal foul penalty, 15 yards. Then they hit the big play Vandy does to win it. Well, the number one quarterback in college football, Will Levis, has got to do a better job. Well, he's I mean, not the number one quarterback in college football. I heard some radio program, some Kentucky guy, it was on their radio network, was talking about how all the NFL scouts are coming in there in the UK and talking about he's going to be the, 
you know, this and that and everything else. And I wish him well. I got nothing against the dude. I hope, I hope he's great. I hope he's the best player in the NFL one day. God bless him. But, I mean, come on. You lose to Vanderbilt. But let's get back to more importantly. So, Tennessee is sitting there, fellas. And USC, to me, is the only team that is behind them outside of LSU. Because LSU is going to present this committee. If LSU wins out, including beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, there has never been a two-loss team in the college football playoff Final Four. Not one time since it started in 2014. If LSU beats Georgia, I think they leapfrog Tennessee because they beat Tennessee, right? They leapfrog. No, they lost to Tennessee. Forgive me. They got killed by Tennessee. But I still think they leapfrog them if they're the champions of the Southeastern Conference. It would be very tough to hold out the SEC champion from the playoff. That would put the committee in a bind, and we'd find out a lot. Yeah. We'd find out a lot about what the committee values, who they value, what they look at to see if they put them in, where they put them in, how they put them in. If LSU gets in with two losses over a Tennessee team that probably deserves to be in. All right, play that scenario out just for a second, just to have a little fun. Okay. Let's say that LSU wins it and you put them in. Okay. Okay, Georgia would be in. Sure. Okay. Then you have Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. Okay? Tennessee. If... TCU goes undefeated. But let's say Ohio State and Michigan play. And let's say it's a, it's a field goal at the buzzer. One beats the other. Okay, great game, right? Okay. And let's say Tennessee kind of flounders around, gets by South Carolina, doesn't look that great. They blow out Vandy. Okay. Um, who would be your four, who would be your fourth if you got if you had the the Big Ten champion, whoever, let's just say Ohio State. Ohio State, Georgia, LSU. Now the fourth team to put in. Do you put an undefeated TCU team ahead of a one loss Tennessee team? Yeah. No doubt. No, I don't think that's a question. To me. TCU's in. Okay. I think an undefeated Big 12 champion TCU is in. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that. I don't even think we need to spend a lot of time on that. I right, think what about a one-loss Tennessee team that does not play in their conference championship game against a Pac-12 one-loss champion in the University of Southern California? USC. USC's in. That I don't. Uh, just the way that the committee has shown that they're valuing the Pac-12 this year with four top 15 teams. Now, this is the same problem that the Pac-12 has every single year where they just cannibalize themselves. They just beat up on each other. Somebody needed to go down to the Buffalo Wild Wings and make sure that UCLA didn't lose to Arizona this weekend. That <laughs> didn't happen. Somebody missed the memo there. My guy got stuck on the 405, right? <laughs> didn't make it out to Arizona. Not great. Now, all of a sudden, Oregon loses. That's bad. They got USC. Now you're hoping that Lincoln Riley can do what he's always done and just sneak on into that four spot. 
I would prefer him not to sneak into that four spot. Well, I'm just saying, if you're the Pac-12, see if, if, them if you in there, I mean, you know, <laughs> no, I don't want to see them in there. TCU showed us a little something this week. I mean, I've been on the bandwagon for obvious reasons, but you know that game this weekend, and Paul, everybody expected a shootout. Yeah, that's what everybody was thinking. TCU, that's what they've done all year long. Texas, when they're playing well, halftime it's three nothing. Um, the athletes of Texas in the first half look like they just overwhelmed TCU, especially the defensive line for Texas. But then I don't know what happened at halftime. And I think this, in a nutshell, is a microcosm of the state of the University of Texas football team. I think they're soft. I think TCU came out, and that offensive line that had been dominated and humiliated in the first half, they decided we're going to run the football and we're going to run it right down your throat. And by the end of the third quarter, it was full ownership for TCU. If they don't fumble that ball and Texas runs it back for a touchdown when it was 17-3, to that game was dominated by TCU. They showed a different side to the committee than they've shown so far this year. They look good. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They look very good. I mean, I, I thought Texas was going to win the game. I thought that – I kept thinking at some point this year, everything that has been building for TCU where they've come back, they've had other quarterbacks get injured – they, they've had issues on the defensive side of the ball. I just kept thinking at some point it was going to catch up to them, and I just thought in a primetime game at Texas that was going to be the game. And that's why I picked Texas on Friday's show. I thought that was going to be where it all kind of came to a head for TCU, but they didn't. And that's why I said when I made that pick on Friday was that if TCU won this game, that was going to be kind of the flip of the switch, I think, both in, in the betting lines and the public's minds about TCU – that now you go on the road to Texas, which, yeah, Texas, they're not back. They're not back. They've lost four they're not games. Back. With those players on that team, they have lost four games. Finish your thought, please, on TCU. No, I just think that TCU now has shown that, okay, no matter what they can do, they can go out there, they can scrap it around, they can win these games, and they have some solid wins. Yeah, they they have some wins that are smoke and mirrors. Look at, look at that win over West Virginia where they win by more than they should have because they throw an offsides touchdown at the end of the game, and all of a sudden you look at a double-digit margin of victory, and you, you, you got to – you got to look at some context for TCU's schedule this year, but at the end of the day, they're winning football games. They're 10 and 0. They're 10 and 0 in the Big 12. If they are an undefeated Big 12 champion, they are in. I agree. And you know, for everybody that's talking about so and so whether it's USC or TCU, whoever, oh they'd lose by this and this amount in the playoff. Everybody always makes that same argument against Notre Dame. They'd lose by this and this who cares? Who cares who gets in and how much they lose by in the first round of the college football playoff? Because it happens every year. Somebody's going to have to go in and play Georgia in the first round. Well, you know, it's funny. Some of the guys that say that, and some of them are in our chat room, they weren't saying that same thing when University of Cincinnati was undefeated last year. Yeah. Right. They weren't saying that. Oh, don't put them in. They're going to get boat raced in the semis. And to me, this Which is Which they impressive. did. They got boat raced in the semis. But – 
Is that the reason you don't put them in? No, they no. deserve to be in. They deserve to be in. If you go undefeated, Cincinnati deserved it last year, and TCU would deserve it, especially more so TCU, in my opinion, yeah, than Cincinnati last year, just based on the teams that they've beaten. Yeah, I think TCU is more impressive than Cincinnati last year to me. And I know it, maybe the, the novelty of um, UC being in the conference that they were getting to the playoff was more of a big deal, yep. but – TCU deserves this if they went out. So Well, they got Baylor this week. That's a huge for, – for, for those of you not familiar, that's TCU's big – I mean, Texas is a big kid on the block. So for all those Texas schools, Texas Tech, Baylor, whoever, whenever they play Texas, you want to beat Texas. They're the big, the big bully on the block, right? But as far as just straight rivalry, TCU and Baylor, biggest rivals against one another. Both private schools, they're about an hour and a half away from one another. Uh, Baylor down there in, in, in Waco and, and TCU in Fort Worth, it's a, uh, it's a big game. And that game is at Baylor. Everybody thought Baylor was going to be great this year. They looked like they were starting to get it together. And then they get destroyed over the weekend. And I tell you what, um, I, I tell you, a team that nobody would want to play, and TCU might be in this group, and they're going to force to play them in a championship game, is Kansas State. Kansas State has got a really good team. I watched them over the weekend. They are good. Um, all right. Anyway, um, is it time for picks? It's time for picks if you th say it's time for all picks, All right. Tom. I want to get to one last story, which we'll do at the end of picks. Do we have a cherry on top that, today? That was going to be the cherry on top. Okay. All right. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So here we go. Uh, let's put up the standings going into the weekend. Um, the duo, and it's about time to lose the, the dunce. Oh, wait. Actually, I think those are the – those are, are those the updated standings? That's updated. Okay. So, so well, we, let's don't we, we, we spoiled that, that a little yet, bit. Please. Okay. So let's go to our games. Okay. Indiana okay. and Ohio State. start with a game. Uh, the Buckeyes cover, you know, we didn't talk a lot of, a little bit about this, but I got to tell you, uh, Ohio State has won every game this year by double digits. And some might say, well, look at their schedule. Well, they, they, they did beat Penn State and they did beat Notre Dame. Okay. Um, and that's a lot more than Michigan can say. Um, but man, the injuries. To think that this offense has gone the entire year without Jackson Smith and Jigba, best receiver in college football coming into the year. Travion Henderson, the running back, was picked first-team All-American. He's only played in half the games. And then Mayan Williams steps in, looks like the best running back in the country, and now he leaves with a leg injury the other day. Um, Ryan Day says they're not serious. We'll find out. Michigan's two weeks away. All right, we clean up there as the Buckeyes route Indiana. There we go. Good pick, guys. Yep. Good job, TCU. Proving us right. Horn Frogs. Go with momentum. It's just right here. It's what they got going on there. Horn Frogs. And if you want to do down with the Longhorns, you walk around like my daughter did down there. Horns down. I wore it for you today. That's right. You're looking good. Looking good. All right. Horn Frogs still undefeated. How about this? All three of us go with the Huskies and, and listen, 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 listen. Did you guys see the decision made by the Oregon coach at the end of the game? Yeah, I watched the game. 
I mean, I tell you, I just, I just, it's kind of like baseball. And I know a lot of the people out there are going to throw something at their computer screen or whatever. The analytics side of this stuff does not add up. How in the world, if you didn't see it, okay, Washington goes down the field and scores a touchdown to tie the game. Oregon has the ball. It is fourth down in the final minute and a half of the game. It is fourth down. I think they were at their own 35. Yep. They go for it on fourth down. Not at the Washington 35. At their own 35. They don't get... This wasn't a Mike McCarthy not want to kick it into the win 53-yard field goal attempt in overtime. The first year Oregon coach decides we're going for it. They don't get it. Washington gets the ball. Field goal. See you later. Hopes of a national championship. That coach just washed away with one decision. That coach washed away his team having a chance to get into the college football playoff by going on fourth down inside their own 35-yard line. I can't believe it, even now. Okay, what's next? Yeah, not, not, a, not a great decision. All no, right. terrible decision. We all had Michigan, and uh, those stiffs don't cover. They did? They did. Oh, I thought it was 38 and a half. No, it's 30. 30 and God a half. bless Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to say that again. No. And did you see how they covered, too? It was right at the end on a field goal. Yeah. They oh, like it, by, I mean, we only covered by half a point. They, r- they kicked the field goal at the end of the game? At the very yeah. end, yeah. At fourth down, they just a little chip shot field goal to cover. Great stuff. Good and job, I, Big and Blue. And I did not say, by the way, um, God bless Michigan. I didn't say that. Of course not. Um, all right, we got one more college game. Oh, you're looking at it. All right, just checking something. Did you guys watch a UC game? I caught the second half of it. I, I, I had two buddies of mine that went, season ticket holders, and I saw them on Saturday night. They told me it was the worst game they've seen UC play in two years. Mm. Three years. They're getting worse and worse. Season goes on. What, was it that bad? Anybody know? I, I didn't see any of it. It was ugly. It they turned it over a bunch? It wasn't a very fun game to watch. No. Dicey at the end. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Okay. But, All right. Yeah. But All a right. win is a win. And they got a chance for a New Year's, New Year's Six uh, Bowl. Uh, they'd have to win out. Temple, we mentioned this weekend. Then they go to Tulane. Uh, Tulane lost to UCF over the weekend, and that would set up a, uh, a rematch of one of UC's uh, two losses this year, and that would be against UCF for uh, the conference championship. Yep. Where would that game be played? Did the Dan conf- Horde say here? Yeah, it's a home game. No, the, if they play in the conference title game. Yeah. Why would it be a home game for UC and not UCF? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I... I thought I, Dan said that. Yeah, that's, could a, be wrong. that's a good question. I could I'll, take, be wrong. I'll take a look at that. Okay. Uh, on we go to the National Football League. We all take the Bucks. Tom Brady and the Bucks deliver the goods. All right, good pick, everybody. Way to stick with it. 
Bucks look not looking great, but that was a good one. All right, game of the week. Mm. Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson. Where is he today? Is he on? Oh, he's in there. He is? He's been in there. It's been a little while, but. The real spirit cats at UC looked very uninspired. I like bacon. Who's that? Haven't seen I like bacon before. Has he or she been in there before? He or she's popped in and out a couple of times. She? Is that what you oh, said? I said he or she. I don't okay. know. They? Um, let's see. Um, okay. Anonymous says, God bless Michigan. Leif Erickson says, Tom, what a terrible <laughs> There we go, Leif. Good to have you back. Come on, Tom. You should have known. Kirk Cousins, 1 known, p.m. I should have known. I should have known. Come on. All right, here we go. Now, Casey, Casey, Casey. Oh, Come on, guys. You have staked your claim. I know I started it. It's unbelievable. I know I started it, but you have staked your claim. Even, I would say, stronger than I have in the last two weeks that the Browns stink. Tom and I go with the Dolphins knowing that the Browns are not a good football team. And you stick with the Browns. Yeah, I thought um, I, I thought that maybe Dolphins were frauds, but this was not the game to to uh, be different, um, <laughs> especially when the Browns stink, um, and they just proved proved me wrong, or they proved me right, game and game out, that they stink. But I continue to still, I don't know. I, I, what, whatever Trace did to me in my psyche last week. He beat when, you he, in, man. When, when the Bengals lost to the Browns the way that they did. Um, I, I, I don't know. He just did something in my mind where I had some sliver of faith that the Browns would cover this. But they stink. Tom, our guy's brain is scrambled eggs over here. He doesn't know what to think. Yeah, those scrambled when eggs. When he picked the too. Browns last week, I almost fell out of this chair. I mean, we we've been on it. You've been on it, and you went you faded yourself. I did. It was a terrible, terrible decision. I I I'll admit that it was terrible. All right, you want a terrible decision? Here was a terrible decision, Casey. I wrote uh, it with you. I don't know. You know what? It wasn't a terrible decision. Hey, we shouldn't have. In retrospect. This is just two bad teams. I said to my son yesterday, and I was wrong on the Kirk Cousins one. Okay? But I said to him, I said, I'm not a gambler, but when we do these picks, there are four things that through the years I I I've come to believe are true. I'm never picking Andy Dalton. And I love Andy Dalton. But I'm never picking him. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not picking Kirk Cousins in a big game. Okay, now he proved me wrong yesterday. Um, I'm never picking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, even though they ended up, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they, that, that wound up being a push yesterday. That was a 10-point spread, right? Kansas City won by 10. The Jags? Yep. Because he had picked them closed. to cover. The Jags. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know where it closed. And I'm trying to remember who the fourth one is, and I'll remember it. Um, Sean Spurlock tells us the AAC championship would be at UCF if UC wins out, and I would imagine that's because they um, they beat them early in the year. Yep. Okay. Um, I do appreciate Anonymous in the chat asking, how am I not sweating with this coat on? It might be, I don't know. 15 degrees in this studio? <laughs> it's comfortable. 
20 it, degrees, it, no, maybe? No, it's not. It's comfortable if you're a seal. <laughs> seal. I mean, I, you they got swim the around in up. water that's 40 degrees and 50 degrees and all that kind of thing. That's the only way you're comfortable in here. Or if you're a penguin. Next one. What, what's next? Paul, nice call there. Thanks. I mean, that's a good call. Uh, the Cowboys, I'm not buying them. I, I, you know, I guess now what everybody's going to be watching with the Cowboys is, it, 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 are they going to sign Odell Beckham Jr.? True. They have True. not had a wide receiver. Not had a wide receiver go over 100 receiving yards in a game this season. Wow. Now, Cooper Rush, they were running a lot. Unless, unless, did somebody get, I should correct myself. Did anybody with Dallas get over 100 yesterday? I didn't see the final I know box. going into I, that I game. I didn't I see check. much of that game yesterday. I'll, I'll check for you. I had it pulled up here. I don't think they did. C.D. Lamb had 150. Okay, there you go. It's first one. So he had a big game. Okay. All right, last pick. And then last but not least. Did they cover? They did. No, the, the Chargers covered. Oh, that's yeah. right, 22 to 16. Yeah. Man, it was close, too. I was sweating the end of this one. I was going to say, a lot of these games towards the end, like the Dallas game and the, 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 the L.A. games, were so close. <laughs> I was just like, you know, at the edge of my seat hoping that they would cover. But you got you squeezed by on both games. So, yeah. good job, Paul. Thank you, Casey. Yeah, this, this was close. Tom, I don't know if you saw the end of this game last night. No. This was – yeah, the 49ers had the ball up three at the two-yard line and didn't score a touchdown to ice the game. Obviously, the touchdown would have put them up 10. They kicked a field goal instead on fourth down. Went up by six instead of 10. You're a lucky day, Paul. Squeaked through. You're a lucky day. All right, so where are we? All right. Where are we? Oh, boy. little daylight after a big week from Paul. 16 and 4 in the last two weeks. That's, for, pretty, that's, that's getting it done. That's getting it done. The rest of us, though, are well within striking distance. So, what are we doing? Uh, do I need to go back and separate into my own picks, or am I sticking with, or like how just, we just, just keep it just, as is? Just it's keep easy it. to okay. keep it going. All right. Um, and so we'll go from there. You have a three game lead over Casey, you have a six game lead over me uh, with lots of football and many, many more picks. Although, what we may have to do, um, we're going to run this through the end of the football season. Yeah. Okay, so we've got two games left in the regular season of college football. Then we'll have the conference championship games. The NFL obviously runs all the way into the new year, uh, so we got plenty of time for that. But this will run all the way through. We'll pick, I don't know, we'll pick eight or nine bowl games. You know, good games. Oh. Some of the good ones. Or are we going to pick them all? Tom, we're picking every bowl game. All right, every bowl game. We'll pick every <laughs> bowl game. That's fair enough. Uh, we'll pick every bowl game. We'll pick all the NFL regular season. We'll pick, um, we'll pick um, the NFL postseason all the way through the Super Bowl. So we're doing this till February. But we'll, have, we'll know who the winner is by, by, by the time the Super Bowl comes around, I, I would assume. You never know. That would be pretty electric if this uh, show tied up game. But we have to come up with some kind of thing. I used to be a golfer. I'm not a golfer anymore. Haven't been for years, but I used to be. And I would find myself frequently down 
when you'd be gambling out there. And so a lot of people who play golf, you're familiar with this term, press, make a press bet. Oh, yeah. Right? Where now all of a sudden you're putting bets on top of bets on top of bets, right? We're going to have to create some kind of, of press bet that if you're behind, you have a chance to make up more than maybe just one game. Hmm. Double or nothing sort of deal? Uh, you know, I mean, we're going to have to think through that a little bit. So we're maybe on three games a week. If you're behind, and the front runner can't do this. Who's ever in first can't do it. But second and third could point could put a bigger point total where, say, they have to cover both the spread and the over-under so they would get two games if they win that. Or, or let's see, you have better ideas. Or, or I was going to say, if you, uh, this would be tough and it would, it would make the whole list a little, it would make it more wonky. But I was going to say, if you, if you put three points on a game and it didn't cover, you lose three. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. There's got to be a penalty for not hitting it. You don't just get to reap the benefits. So then it comes down to your winning percentage. You're just straight up what you're. Yes. It'd be your winning percentage. Yes. I like that idea. Yeah. I like that a lot. When are we going to start doing that? Paul doesn't like that. I'm in. No, 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 no. I'm oh, no, no. When have I ever backed down? We're I'm not in. going I'm to in. do that until we get to the bowl season. Okay. God, I can't wait to pick the. Because we still have, in Jeez essence, we have, we have three really good weeks left of both college and pro the same weekend. So we've got this coming weekend. We have the following weekend. The weekend after that, you'll have the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the AAC. You'll have all those conference championship games. Um, and the NFL right alongside of it. Uh, and then we get to the bowl season. We'll see if you can't make up. Okay. I, I can't believe you were trying to get out of here without picking the Lending Tree Bowl. Can't believe that. Thought you were a better man than that, Tom. Well, pal, I'll tell you right now. There's only one bowl game that's going to matter. And that is we get through these next two weeks of matching. <laughs> you win a MAC conference championship and the Ohio University. The question is, will the Bobcats find themselves on ESPN tomorrow night when they release the college football playoff rankings? <sighs> I think there needs to be a conversation, for sure. Put them at five. One of the hottest teams in the country right now, scoring 40-something a night. They're rolling. They don't back down. Their out-of-conference schedule was 10 times better than Michigan's, and that's not an exaggeration. Ohio University, where men are men. All right. Cherry on top. Now I'm going to set this up. I've been watching, like many of you, sports for a long, long time. Um, and I am always amazed by, I don't care if you grew up black, if you grew up white, if you grew up Hispanic, if you grew up uh, Asian. The one thing about sports is it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what background you come from. 
it doesn't matter whether your family was rich, whether they were poor, whether your mom and dad were gone and you grew up with your grandparents, or whether your mom and dad were home and married for 50 years. Sports has a way, unlike any other part of our society, to bring people together. I'm watching the end of the Ohio State game the other day, and it's 49-14 to 14 with about eight minutes left, and Ohio State throws a pass in the corner of the end zone. This kid catches a ball to touchdown. Now, we're so used to seeing celebrations all the time, and we're going to show you this young man. But his name is Cameron Babb. Okay, and we'll get to the rest of this here in a second. The second he caught the touchdown pass, and I follow Ohio State very closely, so I follow the kids they recruit and on National Signing Day and all that kind of thing, and I'm sitting there and I look at my son and I go, gosh, why do I know that kid's name? Cameron Babb. Well, I jump on my phone. Cameron Babb coming out of high school six years ago was the number two ranked high school receiver in the country. He goes to Ohio State. He has had four ACL tears in five years at Ohio State. He will not play pro football. He barely has gotten on the field through all these ACLs to play college football. And apparently Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud got together on the sideline and they said, listen, this young man already has his undergrad. He's getting his graduate degree. Apparently the president of Ohio State gives out an award to only three people in the entire school every year. Not football players. Three students at Ohio State. Cameron Babb has already won it one time. They say he might become the first person ever to win it twice as a student at Ohio State. He's a deeply religious kid. He has fought through four ACL tears. He is adored by his teammates and his coaching staff as a leader and setting a role, being a role model. So let's roll this touchdown catch. And do we have some of the stuff on the sideline afterwards or no? It just depends on how long this. All right. Well, goes. let's roll this here for a second. What happens when this kid catches this touchdown? If you didn't see it, I was moved to tears watching this. So, first touchdown ever. His teammate, look, look at all of them. Get away from him. He says his prayer, and the reaction to this kid. First of all, in the end zone. And then I give Fox, their crew, all the credit in the world. They followed this kid to the sideline. And there must have been 20 people on that sideline. Players, coaches, trainers, position coaches that were literally in tears. So happy for this young man catching a touchdown pass. It was, it was everything that is right about sports and about college sports. And if that did not bring you uh, to, to some kind of emotion, I, I don't know what would. It was, it was really an amazing sight to see. And congratulations to Cameron Babb uh, on getting a touchdown. That was exciting. Very cool. That was really cool. You guys didn't see it when it happened, did you? I didn't see it live. It was really cool. It was really cool.
All right, we've got the box lunch coming up. Fellas, good morning. Morning, Tom. Tom Reed, you got the uh, you got the Grim Reaper off your tail. I mean, did you win some games this week? You make oh, yeah, money? I, won, I won some money this week. It was it was nice because I'm telling you, man, I owed him a lot of money over the past few weeks. I owed the bookie, but if, we're back. We're back. It's not yeah. very fair for, for you to go into this beautiful monologue and bring up this motivational and, and very endearing story and then before what the hammer drops and then turn it over to us and be like what's your grades boys i mean now we got now we got to somehow segue into this we had this. two hours for you to grade me <laughs> if you got some kind of a problem i had no I, problem I, with I, it I don't whatsoever i just, i have a, i have a genuine question to the crowd though one i don't know where these stats are from i need a little more like you know when the, when you do your school paper tom and they they ask you to source where you're getting your subject matter from they want you to put down like at least the asterisk at the bottom of the page now yes. I, I i know that i'm not sure who's making the graphics etc cetera, etc cetera, but i do need on the tom's top five and i'm not expecting these guys to whip this up right now but the tom's top five college teams i need to know what these stats are i mean i just i just have the numbers rankings? up there yeah, like, i have these random numbers up there on these top five are offense and what and what total offense right total defense Total and total offense. defense. But, but what's but the stat, yards, what's yards the stat we're using? Yeah, I mean, how is how is Point Georgia scored? number one in offense and four in defense? And Ohio State is like four in offense and then one in defense. How is Ohio State's defense better than Georgia's? What stat are we using? How is TCU's and, defense it, 88th yards. in the country? It's just yards. Total so yards. So just total yards. So that's that's but I okay, so I'll start off with that. I don't know who it is, but we need to come up with a better st okay, a better stat. We, we, I mean, if if you run a hundred plays in a game like Tennessee on offense, you're gonna have the number one rated offense of the country in yards because you have just a billion more chances to get yards. Legitimate a, point. So Legitimate we'll start with point. that. I mean, I don't again, I don't know where those I mean we're it's not based off of uh, a bird like we're not judgment, it's just the actual facts. These are the yards. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with that. Facts don't care about Trace's feelings. Yeah. Okay. Well, all I'm care. saying is, is that's a that's just a terrible stat to use if you're trying to rate somebody's. Basically, you're telling the, me TCU's 88th in the country in yards given. Yeah, up. because they're, yeah, they're, because they're, they're playing teams that you know up and down. They're Maybe playing they teams like it on Saturday. When you play teams every week that throw the ball 95 times and the clock never moves, yeah, you're going to give up more yards. That's that's the fact. The reason Michigan's defense is so good is because their offense runs the ball a bunch and the other teams don't get a chance to score. I mean, it's it's a terrible terrible stat to use by like saying, oh, we have the number one offense because we have the most yards. Okay, that's great. Good. Okay, but let me ask you this, though. If you say that, and, and everything that you're saying is true, there's no doubt. But, okay, okay well, if it's not total yards, wouldn't, wouldn't yards per game? No, but because when, when guys what about yards per play? Well, I mean, yards per play, you know, you, you can use that. I mean, I think, you know, you're starting to get into when, when most of these schools are, or most of these networks or whatever, when they're getting ready to televise a game. They have to have some barometer, and if you want to use yards per play, that's fine. But, you know, when you're looking up all the teams that are playing Division I football, they're going by total offense, yards per game on offense and defense, and that's just how they rank them up. Horrible. You know, to jump into another thing, the analytics stuff, 
is getting way over the top. No doubt. It, in, it, what, it, in what capacity? I want to. In know. what capacity? It's yeah. it's becoming absurd the decisions people are making oh. based off of the quote unquote analytical guru. Did you see the Oregon somewhere. decision? Yeah, and let's talk about that for a minute because I don't know how many people were up late on Saturday watching that football game. I wasn't. But at the end of the day, Dan Landing, who's a Georgia guy. One of the most idiotic decisions no I've ever doubt. seen in my life. One, yes, he not only did he go for it on his own 35, but his Heisman candidate quarterback is on the sideline yep. begging to come back in the game, Tom. He's literally standing right next to him telling him, hey, I can come back in. You have two timeouts left or whatever it was. If you're going to go for it, just call a timeout and let your star quarterback at least come back in the game. That's Pac-12 football. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna tell you, Tom. You've been out on Oregon all year. Me and Paul have been trying to to push you. Hey, what about this Oregon Ducks team? What about this Oregon Ducks team? No, nope. you gotta lean into it. You gotta. You gotta own that. You were right about them. Listen, they're a fraud. The whole the whole UCLA conference. is a fraud. Yeah. Okay. I'm not so sure. At the end of the day, and I said a little while ago, and these guys can back it up, that if USC does beat. UCLA, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, and then beat, say, Utah or somebody like that, and they have one loss, they yeah. should be in. Correct. I, I, I will say that ahead of time. But I'm not so sure, again, just like last year, at the end of the day, I'm not so sure the team that wouldn't give all the heavyweights the best game of any team in the Pac-12 is in Utah. How come? I just think that their style of play is is much more conducive to being big able to football. hang big with the big boys. They'll hit you. They can score. They can run. They can throw. I just think that they got off to a slow start this year. They lost that first game of the year to Florida. They should have won the game at the end. They blew it. Uh, and then they stubbed their toe against somebody. But they did beat USC. Yeah. That was a shootout. Yeah. You know, which a lot of games in that conference. But I'm with you. I mean, they, the analytics saying, I did mean, you come see, on. Did you see the Chargers guy again? Yeah. They, they, <laughs> this they make Chargers wild, guy. They make what's wild this, decisions. What's, Brandon, this, what's this head coach's name? Brandon Staley. Staley. Brandon Staley. Ohio guy decisions. needs some Youngstown, help. Ohio guy. Somebody needs Go to Penguins. send the emergency analytical crew to that man because he needs some help. Some talk him off the ledge. Just because you have a 51.5% advantage of doing it one way over the other doesn't mean you do it. That's right. Right? I mean, if I told you you're going to jump out of a plane, right, and you're going to have the best time of your life, okay? Okay. But there's got a 51% chance of having the best time of your life and a 49% chance of being dead. Do you jump out the plane? No. 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 Not just because you got the advantage doesn't mean you always take advantage of it, right? And the other thing last night, there's two minutes that did chat. To, I, I, someone talked me off this ledge. You have two minutes and 40 seconds left in a football game, right? You get a third down stop. Right. You have three timeouts. <laughs> Your offense has to go down the field and at least kick a field goal. Worst case scenario, maybe it was a touchdown. I don't know. Uh, my, my brain's so scrambled right Tell now. The Chargers. Remember. The Chargers. It was three yeah, points. It was three. Three points. And this guy decides he wants to save his timeouts so he could possibly use them in the last minute of the football game yeah. to, to be able to what? Get the ball back with 30 seconds left like he did? on their own one-yard line to try to go the length of the field. And you had to have a touchdown the next time. So he waits to let the clock run all the way down to the two-minute warning. They punt the ball. Oddly enough, they pin him inside, like, what, the one- or two-yard line. How in the world, from an analytical perspective, do you not just stop the clock with two minutes and 40 seconds left? You have two timeouts for your offense to try to go down one more shot to go down the field and tie the game. That's all above my pay scale. 
And if they get the first down, then you have the two-point, two-minute warning. If they get the first down on the third down, use your timeout. Say they get the first down. Then you have three times to stop them again because then you can get the two-minute warning and then use two timeouts and maybe get the ball back at that point. I, I just yeah, doesn't make any sense. don't understand. It, it, I would also say at some point these coaches are going to realize taking three points sometimes is not a bad thing. I mean, getting points in a football game, Tom, I don't know, but this might be earth-breaking news. Getting points in a game is good. It's okay. Well, I the thought, Bills I do thought, it. The I Bills are just as bad. Talking about, I thought one of the most overrated plays, and we brought it up earlier in the show today. I thought one of the most over, or one of the most under the radar decisions over the weekend was made by McDermott and Buffalo. Exactly, he didn't kick the field goal. Yeah, and he goes for it on fourth down. Allen throws a pick in the end zone. They come away with no points. Not granted. Yeah, they're up at that point. You know, I think they were up ten, and they mm-hmm. could have gone up thirteen. But they decide to go for it, and, you know, does it come back ultimately to bite them? No, because of the way that, that, that Minnesota missed an extra point and all that kind of thing. And there were a thousand other plays that game you're going to yeah. remember. But I just didn't understand. The analytical gurus act like momentum isn't a thing. You're with they, all these guys no, in no, baseball. No, 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 no. You're it, with no. all these guys in baseball. Am I? Think I? You no. Are. What I would say is that Read you Read him I right or wrong. He is. No, no you're right. He's nope. all in. Nope. That's this is where you got you guys have your little bit. That's fine. Do your no, little I think bit. He's right. No, at the end of the day, maybe I think that you should take some analytics into the equation. That's fine. But if you're if you want to sit here and act like it's just a statistical it's a statistical decision making the thing every single time, then why even have football coaches? Just get a bunch of guys out there with a bunch of glasses sitting on the sideline with their computers and tell everybody what to do. Because at the end of the day, if momentum isn't real and human beings aren't playing the game, then maybe perhaps that makes sense. But getting three points at least keeps the momentum. It makes you feel as a football team that you're moving and progressing in the right direction. There's no doubt in my mind yesterday that if, if the Bills kick the field goal, right, they keep momentum, it feels like you're, you're just kind of dead in the water if you're a Vikings fan, you get a little boost if you get a stop on fourth down. What was it, fourth and what? Fourth and like five or four. Five. For the, for whatever, the, yeah, so they were going, whatever they were, it was. They were going for the knockout. They were going for the knockout. They were what? already up ten. They were Exactly. In Make, the fourth quarter. Yeah, it, 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 my, my, at the point of making it all of this is, is at some point, it, it, again, not to bring politics into this, but it reminds me a little bit of COVID in a way. It reminds me of when COVID first happened and all this, and we're running around acting like you can't touch the flagstick on a on an effing golf course because my, something crazy might happen. One and person this per new cart. big craze One about all this cart. stuff going on. These analytical guys... In about 10 years, give it some time. It's going to be like, do you remember when we were going for it on fourth and one at our own 35 with a chance to go to the college football playoffs on the line? Yeah. And our Heisman quarterback was standing on the on the sideline and yeah. we actually went for it? Right. Well, hey, it's no different than Joe Mixon. I just on can't the Super believe Bowl, this. Standing there on the sideline. Yeah, I give it to twice. Give it to the backup running back and run it at the greatest defensive player in the past two decades. And I am all in on whatever analytics say. I'm all in, all in on the fourth and goal shovel pass to a guy who hasn't caught a pass all year. (laughs) (laughs) See, that makes me think that Zach Taylor doesn't use analytics. Because oh, no. he, he ran it two that times. That is the element of surprise. Against the best defensive tackle in the league. All right, boys. Like, what Alex show that? You got lots of topics coming up there. Yeah, there we, we see him. Jeff Saturday is TCU for real. Yeah. The last thing I was going to bring up from the show, Dan, on his, on his previous engagement here, Dan Horde, said that he wanted Tulane to win. Yep. Largely because it gave UC a chance, a chance. 
from a tiebreaker standpoint, I believe, not to put words in his mouth, but to get a home game That's what for that AAC championship. Yes. Yes. And they so guys Tulane did not win, obviously, so now UCF's in the driver's seat. They're going to probably host it. Yeah, right. But, hey, UC will get a shot at it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if Tulane won, it gave also a UC an outside chance to get in the New York Six Bowl, right? Because New Year's, but yeah. New Year's, my bad. That's all well, right. I mean, if UC wins that game, they're in. If they went out, yeah, the next still- three, they will be in a, a New Year's Six Bowl game. Okay. Yeah. All right, fellas. Have a good nice one today. Time. And, Paul, good luck on your show today. Thank you very much, Casey, Tom. Paul. Yep. Adios. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Tom, make sure on your drive home you listen to the, what's it called? The, the Rebound route? Rundown. Rebound Rundown. Rebound Rundown. You yeah, kicked yeah. it off today. Or you, yeah. That wasn't your official kickoff today, was it? The first episode. First yeah, episode. Was, was today. You had the preview last week. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. That's a good 10 minutes. Good. Was a really Honestly, good I did, 10 minutes of your day. I did get some great feedback from from people over the weekend of people that I guess it hit a that from hit, Sean Miller. It hit a niche. And I didn't didn't catch up with Sean about that one. Actually, you know what? To be fair, I heard from a lot of UC people, and I'm not even blowing smoke there. A lot of UC people reached out to me over the weekend, and I'm very happy about that because I'm trying to hit the UC market. So, give me a shot. Paul, that's an uphill battle for you. You wear your <laughs> yes, colors. It is. Look, I, you're pigeon. You're pigeon. Save your homer. Just oh go ahead God. and let it, let it roll. Let it roll. Live with it. Lean into it. Make nah. a stand. Take a stand. That's right. If you lean love the muskies, it. call it like you see it. Stop telling right? the line. I mean, I will call it like I see it. All right. You love the muskies, and you will still will on the Bearcats. That doesn't mean I can't do a good job for UC too. Paul's a straight shooter. Straight shooter. He'll tell you how he feels. Okay. All right. Gentlemen, have a good one. Thanks, Tom. Thank Thank you, Tom. Tom.